Someone needs to show how it's done. What's up, gamers? It's your boy, Sir Dr. JM here. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. And this is episode 108 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Now, this is, of course, an Overwatch Podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you are a returning listener, you, of course, already knew who I was. But if you're new around here, let me tell you again, I'm Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM over on Twitter, where you can follow me. You can tweet at me. You can DM me whatever you want. You can bring me questions, comments, concerns, topics, or inquiries, or whatever you've got in your pocket for the show. And I'd love to talk about them, bring them up here, discuss them as they relate to the Overwatch League, Overwatch in general, Blizzard games in general, or just video games, because I love to talk video games. Right now, I'm still in the thick of the Season 4 Battle Pass in Overwatch 2, of course, while I also try and take on the world of Jedi Survivor. So, tweet at me your thoughts, questions, concerns, comments, inquiries, whatever you've got about either of those games, about any games in general, and I'll bring them to the show. Now, enough with all that. We've got a... a, a I don't even know what to call it. I'm, I'm at a loss for words when I think about a, uh, the topic that we're going to primarily discuss today. Um, yeah, it's a little bit baffling, but we'll get into it a little bit. So let's get things moving right along. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, and tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course, if you do leave us a review, I will read it out on the show, assuming it's five stars. Of course, five stars only. Why are you reviewing anything if you're not giving it five stars, unless you're giving it zero stars? But hopefully I at least warrant, you know, one star, because I'm doing this at all in terms of, you know, in terms of the Overwatch side of things. There are, you know, not a ton of of people who want to be talking about Overwatch right now, and honestly, a little bit myself included. But in any case, if you do like what you hear here, 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 then head on over to the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, where I am, of course, the third chair uh, with my co-hosts, Alex and Chris. We talk everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant in the Overwatch League, and of course, Overwatch at large. We've also got interviews galore over there, uh, mostly with uh, Toronto Defiant and Vancouver Titans uh, related uh staff, I'll call them, or organization-adjacent members. But of course, we've also had the opportunity to sit down with Sean Miller, president of, or head of the Overwatch League, I should say, and a few other important guests. Now, enough with all that. Let's get into the show, because we've got a lot to talk about. Who taught you to fight like that? All right, so before we get into things, of course, if you're listening to this, you are probably pretty ingrained in the scene and you know about the latest Overwatch 2 news, or Overwatch as we should probably just call it. But before we get into that, um, I want to point us over to an article here, and that will actually lead into our, our next article, where we'll talk a little bit about this. Now, I know I, I kind of hyped this up as something that we're going to talk a lot about and you know, this might be a longer episode, but the fact is, because it's just me, because I'm exhausted, and because I did actually already talk on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, of course, about this, I'm actually not going to get too into it. Um, you know, the, the funny thing is, this topic in general right now is just bringing me down. Um, the vibes around Overwatch right now are not great uh, in the scene, in general, uh, for myself personally, over on the Ready Set Pwn podcast, um, you know, in the Ready Set Pwn Discord and and many of the other discords out there. So, anyways, let's get in there and and I'll I'll give you some of my thoughts. Of course, I'm not just gonna turn away completely, uh, but I would definitely point you to the latest episode of Ready Set Pwn. Um, it was let me just check here, episode, 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 episode number scrolling scrolling episode number 195 that's right we're almost at 200 episodes on uh, ready set pwn but uh we really get into it there um you know chris talks about some of his thoughts alex talks about some of his thoughts and then they let me go off and i talk for quite uh quite a little bit there about all my thoughts and feelings around overwatch and overwatch 2 
Um, and then of course we do go back and forth a bunch on, on some of the other points and, and things like that. The guys bring up some great points that, you know, I hadn't necessarily thought of either. Um, but anyways, I'll talk a little bit about that shortly here. So first, before we get into the news, uh, although news related, I want to direct you over to GameSpot.com with an article by Tamor Hussein, which is titled Overwatch 2's PvE Hero Mode is Being Scrapped. Blizzard Explains What Happened and Why. So to preface this article here, um, obviously news dropped uh, yesterday. So as of recording, this is May 17th. News dropped on May 16th um, about all of this that is 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 happening and changing around Overwatch. Um and it seems like some media outlets were, uh, I, I don't even know what to call it. I don't want to say tipped off, but um, were given the opportunity to talk to, uh, you know, game director Aaron Keller um, and Jared Noose, who I'm actually not sure what his uh, executive producer, Jared Noose, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But anyways, um, it sounds like they were given the opportunity to kind of talk to them, uh, get a little bit of an interview in there ahead of time obviously in preparation for this dropping because many news outlets did drop these articles you know um GameSpot's article here dropped 12:01 p.m uh pdt of course so you know pretty clear that blizzard had uh engaged some of these outlets to have these conversations ahead of time and and give them really the uh the lowdown so that they could get some more information out there now I will applaud them for that. I will applaud the team for that. Uh, they provided the information. They did the the media thing um, at a few key sort of outlets that that really I think did a good job of reporting on this. But I want to bring up this GameSpot article in particular because uh, Tamor does ask some some very good questions here. So definitely go check this out. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm actually going to read sort of the intro, um, and then you should go check out this article and read through the actual interview section where Tamor asks some really good, juicy, and meaty questions. Um, and Aaron Keller and, and Jared Noose don't shy away from answering them either. Um, they're they're pretty transparent about with their answers. So go check this out, but let's read it here. So again, that was Overwatch 2's PvE hero mode is being scrapped. Blizzard explains what happened and why. Game director Aaron Keller and executive producer Jared Noose discuss why the eagerly anticipated mode will no longer be released and the future of Overwatch 2. Overwatch is a game that rose from the ashes of Titan, an ambitious MMO that Blizzard pulled the plug on. In the wake of this decision, developers at the studio reworked ideas they had for Titan into what would become Overwatch, a hero-based multiplayer shooter that was critically acclaimed and hugely successful. Blizzard's Team 4 is no stranger to picking up the pieces of a shattered project, but this process has been kept behind closed doors. The Blizzard way was to keep games out of the public view until they were ready to be seen and to release them only when they were as close to the ideal vision as they could possibly be. That isn't the way anymore, not for Overwatch 2 anyway. When the sequel to Overwatch was announced at BlizzCon 2019, where the game was so was also playable, it was with the promise of a PvE hero component that would allow players to gather their squads and play through a narrative-driven multiplayer experience. On top of that, each of the heroes that they'd come to know and love would be reworked for PvE and given progression systems that would allow players to unlock new talents. It was an ambitious new mode that, in many ways, was used to justify the 2 at the end of the title. Now, however, Blizzard has confirmed that the promised PvE hero content will not be released at all. In a video, game director Aaron Keller and executive producer Jared Noose said that the team had made the decision to take the PvE elements of Overwatch 2 in a different direction and detailed a roadmap for the upcoming seasons that reveal a new hero, maps, rebalances, and a number of story-focused additions. According to Keller and Noose, this decision was made for the good of the game and its live multiplayer component. Whether that proves to be true will be judged based on the execution of the upcoming seasons detailed in its new roadmap, but regardless of this, Blizzard and Team 4 pitched an experience that won't be realized, which will no doubt confuse and frustrate players. GameSpot spoke to Keller and Noose about what led to this decision and how Team 4 intends to try and make something good rise from the ashes of a failed idea once again. So, there you have it. Um... I'm actually just going to read the first two questions here in the article. They're they're a little bit more surface level. They're you know the answers are certainly much shorter. The questions after these first two, uh, Keller and Noose answer quite thoroughly. So here, let me read these these first two. So Gamespot says the big talking point is the direction that you're now taking with the PVE that you basically aren't doing it. Is that the correct way to characterize it? It's not happening anymore, and you've pivoted away from it. 
Aaron Keller responds, I think I would characterize it slightly differently, which is we are doing part of what the team has set out to do, but not the entirety of what was discussed back at BlizzCon in 2019. So the real focus is on the story missions and that experience as opposed to the more open-ended hero mode and that stuff. GameSpot says, right, so it's fair to say that the experience that you showed during that first Overwatch 2 reveal is not going to be the one that will be released at any point. Aaron Keller says, yeah, exactly. So we are definitely not doing the hero mode and the talents in that power progression system. The next question there is, when did you realize that you weren't going to be able to execute in this way? And what was it that led to that realization? And then Aaron Keller responds and and the article continues from there. So go check out this article. Uh, It is... It is, like I say, an impressive interview and one that uh, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of. Um, I like Tamor's work, uh, and I've, I've followed him for a bit as he is a member of the Kind of Funny community, which if you've followed me for any amount of time, you will know that I am as well. Um, so go check out this article. I'll drop the link in the description there, and you can kind of get a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain um, as to where the team is at, as to what is to come, and how things are changing. Um, now give me just a moment here while I switch things over. And now we're going to move from our required reading over to our first article here. Um, this article is coming by way of dottiesports.com by Max Michelli posted on May 16th, which, which reads Blizzard cancels original Overwatch 2 PVE campaign mode plans. Now I didn't really mention this, but obviously this article, uh, covers a little bit about what I just talked about and read from the GameSpot article there. But I like this one. It's a little bit more of a concise, just brief overview of of uh, what was announced and unveiled. And, you know, a little bit of a not different take, but just a different presentation. So I did want to bring this one up. So this one, uh, let's continue. It reads, Blizzard today announced that it has nixed its original plans to make a story-based PvE campaign mode for the Overwatch universe during a developer chat on the game's official Twitch channel. Overwatch 2 was originally announced during BlizzCon in 2019, with PvE being a huge part of the presentation. Three years later, when it was time for the game to come out, the campaign was still not available, and since then, speculation has swirled regarding when, if ever, players would see this PvE system. Now, it seems that a fully separate PvE campaign in Overwatch 2 is dead, although Blizzard still plans on developing and bringing smaller PvE story missions to the game periodically. Quote, As work slowly continued on Overwatch 2, we began to pull more and more of our focus and energy away from the live game, game director Aaron Keller said. Quote, We had a difficult choice to make. We could continue working on our original vision for Overwatch 2 without a definitive end in sight, or change our strategy. End quote. This is how Blizzard was able to release the PvP-only portion of Overwatch 2 in October last year. However, with the new PvP content live, the team didn't want to go back to neglecting the live game, and due to available resources, it seems as though Keller and executive producer Jared Noose had a tough decision to make. Quote, We shifted our values for how we want to develop the game, Keller said. No longer would we store content up for really big releases and leave the game sort of languishing on the side. Now we made a commitment to always prioritize the live game and all of the people playing it, end quote. Though this has resulted in a cancellation of Blizzard's original plans for PvE experience in Overwatch 2, the developers noted that moving forward they planned to continue to add live events and cooperative modes that help to advance the expand and expand the Overwatch lore, but it won't quite be what they originally promised. So... There you have it. That is, as I said, just sort of a different different look, uh, different kind of summary of uh, what happened. Obviously, the GameSpot article there um, was a lot more of a behind-the-scenes kind of uh, talk with the developers. Um, Max Michelli's article here is pulling from the developer update that they did put out, of course. One thing that um, honestly <laughs> kind of annoyed me uh, is that they put this out, uh, this this developer update, as sort of the last, I want to say, 10 to 20 minutes of an update behind an interview with sort of some of the forces behind the Starwatch event. So, of course, you know, there was a good 30-minute interview with these, these Starwatch folks, who, forgive me for not getting their names, but... They just kind of talked about the event and, and how it came to be and, you know, some of the inspirations and and what it was and everything like that. And that was, that's fine. That's all good. I'm happy to see that kind of content, but I wish they could have given them their real time to shine 
because it was so clear that they put this in front of the bad announcement that they were almost trying to hide it or bury it in a way. And what winds up happening instead is that the larger announcement as a whole just completely overshadows it, right? Um, they had this wonderful interview with some of the forces behind uh, Starwatch, which, you know, uh, I personally have actually really been enjoying Starwatch. I know not everyone has, but I've been having a good time with it, and I'm a big fan of the sort of space opera theme, being, you know, a sci-fi person myself, and, and obviously, as I as I mentioned at the top of the show there, uh, being a, a pretty big Star Wars fan and everything like that. This has obvious inspirations behind Star Wars, but um, I really didn't like how they did that. They, they almost were like, hey, check out this interview with these cool people, but really we're just going to sneak this in afterwards and hope you don't notice. But what winds up happening is, is that interview just gets forgotten about. You don't see any reporting on what came from that interview, even if there was, you know, no, no real juice to be had or anything like that. But I don't think you see any conversation. I don't think you see any positive discussion or anything, uh, any applause or any flowers to give to that first half interview because they stuck this announcement at the end of it that, hey, you remember that portion of the game that a huge portion of the audience was really looking forward to and that really could have justified the, um, you know, air quotes, rebrand of Overwatch into Overwatch 2. Well, we're not doing that anymore, right? It just completely overshadows the first half there. And and obviously, I, I think it really, it left a bad taste in my mouth in terms of how they did that. I think that they should have just been forthcoming and, you know, release this Starwatch interview and maybe a week, maybe two weeks later, drop this community update, developer update, whatever you want to call it, you know, don't hype it up, obviously. <laughs> that would be really bad if they were hyping up, hey, get ready for our next developer update. Um, or, you know, hey, get ready for uh, our biggest update on, on PvE yet or something like that. It really would have been a bad look to hype that up and then come out with this. Um, but yeah, so anyways, that's that's where my head is at with that. Um, like I said, I think if you if you're listening to this, you already know some of the state of of the PVE and uh, everything that's going on and everything that's swirling around right now. Um, we're gonna get into a little bit more of it, but ultimately, my thoughts are largely just I just feel defeated at this point. Honestly, um, you know, if you listen to the most recent episode of Plat Chat. Um, Scott and Avril kind of go at it towards the beginning of the show, but Scott does a really good job of describing why this burns so much. And to Avril's credit, you know, the point he's making is they overpromised. Um, but I think the larger point is that they didn't just overpromise. You know, they they had something and they got rid of it. It is it is no more. Um, and on top of that, it took them somewhere in the ballpark of three to five years for that decision of no more to come to fruition now i will also say it's a it's a tough spot that um you know the team is in i'm sure none of the overwatch team wanted this to happen and we know that some very large players you know jeff kaplan comes to mind obviously but many others left the project when things weren't uh progressing as that as had initially been promised and things like that Obviously, I'm sure they're under some pretty strict NDAs, so they can't exactly speak up about it. But it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, for all the turmoil and for finally, air quotes, releasing Overwatch 2 in, you know, October of last year, it's clear why a lot of things were happening and have happened that the, the way that they did or why the why the chips fell where they did, you know, with, with people leaving... Um, and with plans changing, releasing an early access, things like that. So anyways, let's read this next article. We're going to stick with .esports.com. This is actually the only other news article that I have for this week, um, just because I did want to kind of ruminate and sit on the, the larger discussion around PVE as a whole. So again, from .esports.com, another article by Max Michelli, actually, posted on May 16th, which reads, Blizzard's Overwatch 2 roadmap for 2023, Season 5, New Heroes, Limited Time Events, and more. So as we'll get into in the article here, the other sort of portion that they did describe uh, or sort of did dive into 
um, during this developer update after the Starwatch portion. Um, after they kind of delivered the bad news about, you know, the Overwatch uh, 2 PvE that we had all seen back in 2019, um, they, they went into the roadmap for Season 5, Season 6, and then, as they call it, Season 7 and beyond. Um, let's, let's read through the article here. We'll see what they cover, and then I'll talk about the infographic that they released as well. So, Blizzard officially provided an Overwatch 2 roadmap for the second half of 2023 on May 16th. And along with content plans for Seasons 5 and 6, the graphic details an abundance of things to come in Season 7 onward. Along with new heroes and maps, players can anticipate various limited time modes, cinematics, mini com competitive seasons, sorry, and even reworks for some problematic heroes. The roadmap is jam-packed with teasers for what is to come next month, as well as three months from now in Season 6. With 11 different bullet points under a header, quote, Season 7 and beyond, Blizzard also detailed numerous pieces of content and changes that players will have to wait a second before they see in the game. So, they then kind of break it down a little bit here. So let's read through. Overwatch 2 Season 5 Roadmap. Overwatch 2 Season 5 is set to begin next month, running for two months like every other season thus far. In its new graphic, Blizzard teased Questwatch as the limited time event coming to the season. The image for Questwatch suggests the event will be a hard pivot from this season's Starwatch event. Instead of a galactic sci-fi, players will likely be exposed to a more fanciful spin on Heroes. Additionally, there will be something associated with the new event called Mischief and Magic, which could likely be a game mode. Meanwhile, players can anticipate the return of the Summer Games as at its usual time, and a 5 vs 5 mini competitive season will also come in Season 5. Other quality of life updates include the return of the On Fire feature and the addition of a Creator Workshop mode. Lastly, the season will have a cinematic reveal, which is always a popular release. There's no new hero coming in Season 5, and no hero is depicted in the teaser for the cinematic, but the image does show a domesticated dog in what appears to be a typical suburban home. Overwatch Season 6 Roadmap Overwatch 2 Season 6 is likely set to release around the second week of August, and it will most notably include a new support hero. The primary image that Blizzard used to show off the season was one labeled, quote, Story Missions. This comes after the developer announced on May 16th that it decided to cancel its original plans for a continuous PvE experience that includes hero talent trees. Other features coming to Season 6 include the game's anniversary event. There's also a few seemingly ambiguous, la ambiguously labeled images that say Flashpoint and Hero Mastery. The season will introduce more updates to player progression systems and a firing range too. New Overwatch, uh, sorry, new heroes coming to Overwatch 2. Blizzard adds new heroes to Overwatch 2 every other season, and Season 6 is no exception. Season 6 will introduce players to a new support hero sometime in August. After that, Blizzard has confirmed that a tank hero will be the next to get added to the game. Players can expect to see that tank hero sometime at the end of the year with Season 8 if Blizzard continues its strategy of releasing heroes during even-numbered seasons. Assuming seasons last about two months, as has always been the case so or as has been the case so far in Overwatch 2, that season and hero should arrive in December. So there you have it. That's the kind of breakdown here. Now let's take a look at this infographic and or infograph infographic and break it down a little bit more. So they say Overwatch 2 roadmap. So of course, this was the portion of air quotes good news that they delivered with the uh, announcement of the termination of the PVE portion. The first thing they cover there is Season 5. So as uh, Max points out in the article here, the big big sort of title card reads Quest Watch, a new limited time event. Um, you can, If you look at this, it's got kind of a uh, fantasy theme going on. We've got seemingly uh, a bit of an island-style thing with a volcano. We've got a sort of a port city castle. We've got sort of a... Uh, what appears to be some some form of you know sorcerer tower and some huts and some mountains and a large tree and things like that um, you know definitely giving Lord of the Rings vibes giving World of Warcraft vibes giving all sorts of uh, that side of things which is kind of funny that we've obviously got the uh, you know Star Wars uh, inspired season four and then we pivot immediately to the other side of the coin which is of course the fantasy realm uh, with with this quest watch. Then, of course, as they mentioned there, the sort of next uh, card there that they've got is Mischief and Magic. Presumably, uh, if Quest Watch is a limited time event, I would assume in the vein of Star Watch, maybe not necessarily in terms of gameplay, but seemingly in terms of, uh, you know, a, a mode, I, I would assume more of a, let's say, a Junkin' Science Revenge, an Archives event, something like that, but in a, you know... Um, 
in a outside of the actual Overwatch lore, more of a, a literal fantasy setting uh, where you play as the characters, probably more akin to, you know, Junkenstein's Revenge being sort of a fairy tale type thing. I would assume that's what Quest Watch is, which probably means that Mischief and Magic is more of a limited time event, now, or is more of a, a, a stranger game mode, right? I'm thinking kind of like the Lifeweaver game mode that they released when Lifeweaver first dropped, that terrible one. Um, hopefully it's a little better than that. That was that Bob and Weave event was absolutely awful. Um, but it could also be something even further outside of that, something like uh, the, the Hanzo... Um, uh, Loverwatch event, uh, sorry, uh, Loverwatch, I don't even know what to call that game that they that they came out with, um, the dating sim. It could be something like that, something outside of the game to sort of expand the game out even more, which, to their credit, I think is cool. I think it's really awesome that they are sort of exploring other mediums, and I do hope that we see more things like that, even though I didn't really get into the Loverwatch event. Um, I wanted to do the, 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 the dating sim thing, but if I'm being honest, dating sims aren't really my thing, so I just I just didn't bother. Um, I actually wanted to do it with my wife, but unfortunately, we just didn't find the time. So anyways, I could see it being something like that as well, which would be cool. I like those sort of out-of-world and out-of-game experiences as well. So then, uh, like Max points out, cinematic reveal. Of course, the dog in there, I believe, is known to be Sojourn's dog, and we also know that they have been working on a Sojourn cinematic for a while now. I'm hopeful that that is is it and we get to see a little bit more about sojourn a little bit more about um probably where she was during the events of you know overwatch and you know obviously we're not getting as much pve content anymore but hopefully the cinematic gives us a little bit of that blizzard magic of you know what was sojourn up to sort of between the events of or or throughout the events of overwatch one and leading into overwatch two what brought her back in because presumably these characters bringing or coming into Overwatch 2, they either weren't an active part of sort of the world during Overwatch 1, or they weren't, you know, necessarily known to be. Maybe they worked in the shadows a little bit more. But I think in Sojourn's case, we know she was a soldier. We know she worked with Overwatch 2. We know she worked with, you know, Reinhardt and uh, Mercy and other characters like that, Tracer, um, in the past. But it also seems like she was probably, you know, either out of action or doing something else. So hopefully we're getting a little peek into what she was up to. Summer Games event, you know, uh, nothing nothing too groundbreaking there, obviously. I do like seeing these, these previous limited time events come back. In the past, I liked them because it was an opportunity to earn some of the skins associated to them. Obviously, we no longer have the loot box system, so presumably they'd only be available in the store, which kind of sucks. But Summer Games, I mean, honestly, I don't think ever had that great of skins there's a few good ones but anyways then as sort of bullet points they have a 5v5 mini comp season which i'll be honest i have really no idea what that means it strikes me as though they're saying the competitive season for season five will be shorter than others which seems like an odd choice and i don't really know why they would do that so i'm really curious to see what exactly that turns into on fire returns is exciting and a feature that we knew was coming back um, a feature that it didn't really make a ton of sense that they removed because people always like to know when they're doing well. And then, of course, creator workshop mode. So that's an exciting one, uh, not for me personally, but I'm sure there's a lot of creative people out there who will go wild with the creator workshop. And on top of that, with the removal of the PvE mode that we know uh, we will no longer see now, I'm sure people will also be building uh, what they can in the creator workshop mode to to compensate. So that's your season five. We then move to Season 6, and the title card on Season 6 reads Story Missions. So this is where we get into the confusing part of things, because they talked about removing this PvE portion. Um, now that I've sort of had some time to ruminate with it all and read you know, a, number of more, uh, a number of articles further and seen a lot more of the discussion, it seems like this is telling us, or this is confirming to us, that despite the changes to PvE that they are doing, we're still going to get a lot of that content. The portion we're not getting is sort of the back-end systems, which really does, in my opinion, really does suck. It, It's a half measure, right? It's almost them saying, we had all this half-constructed, and now rather than finishing it, so let's say we had 50% of a project done, and rather than taking it to 100%, we're now going to take that 
and we're going to change it. We're going to fit it into the box that we already had built because it will fit. We could go that extra hundred or that extra 50% to finish it off completely. And yes, it might take, you know, another two years or something like that. And it might not be possible, frankly. Or we could take that extra or that already built 50% and cram it into this other box that we have and make it fit in there. And we simply won't include that other 50% that, that you know, will never come to fruition. And that's how we're going to give this to you. Now, what exactly does that look like? I mean, we know that we were, we were seeing some form of uh, progression system with your characters and talents for them. We know that that's all going away. And again, those would be the back-end systems, you know, under, underneath the actual gameplay and everything, right? That the gameplay is built on. So we know we won't see those. So it strikes me as this is, you know, it's going to be basically new archives, new Junkenstein, that kind of thing. Um, if, if Questwatch was more akin to Junkenstein, then I would say story missions is akin to archives where we know archives was an actual, uh, uh, you know, real thing that happened in the Overwatch universe. So these story missions are, are hopefully at least giving us some look into the lore and some background behind what's going on. Um, even if it's just a, hey, you know, pick out of these six to eight characters, four people, five people even, and go, right? Play the mission. You know, it's, again, I, I don't have a ton of faith that it's going to be all that exciting. As someone who never really found things like Junkenstein's Revenge and Archives all that exciting, um, this just doesn't inspire much in me. I'm like, cool, we'll maybe get a little bit more of the story from this but the gameplay isn't all that compelling right um you know in my mind the the reason the gameplay in overwatch is compelling is because of because of that element of uh of pvp really right and this is also why i was excited for this fully fledged pve mode um with with talent trees with player or with character progression and everything is because I really wanted that sort of more, you know, I, again, I talked about this on Ready, Set, Pwn, but I saw this on Twitter the other day. I really wanted that more, let's say, Borderlands-esque experience where, you know, yes, you start with a character. Yes, anyone could pick to main Tracer or Brigitte or, you know, Junkrat, just for example. Um, but as you play them more, you they, they become your own, right? You... You progress through some some progression system that you know maybe allows you to customize how they look uh, beyond just a single skin, but also allows you to customize their abilities with these talents um, and things like that. A big question for me is why. I mean, they they say in that Gamespot article that there were something in the range of like forty to fifty talents for every character, or that's what was happening. And I just don't know why they would go that far if that was the case. Like, if they were doing 40 to 50 talents, I think Johnny on uh, on PlatChat recently said that that would, doing the math, that works out to be over a thousand different talents throughout the game with the number of heroes we have. And I just don't understand why you wouldn't go, you know, let's say six, eight, ten talents for each character, right? That brings the number down <laughs> tenfold, really. <laughs> um you know, it just strikes me as as there are some easier ways you could have gone about this, right? Um, we have seen some of the screenshots and things like that about, um, you know, a, a talent tree or less than a talent tree, but more of just a pick your ability kind of thing where it was, you know, tracers given there's six or eight slots and, you know, out of these two, you pick one, out of these two, you pick one, out of these two, you pick one. And I think, I, I just don't know why we didn't even get that. It seems like that is a boiled down talent system and that could even give you an element of build your own tracer build your own brigitte whatever it is so i digress story missions are coming season six i'm holding out hope for what that really looks like i think once we see what that looks like we'll have a better idea of what's been stripped out and what we are getting um season five again strikes me as a little bit closer to season to what season four is 
um, with you know the Star Watch event and and things like that. Maybe sort of a combo of season three, season four, with that mischief and magic maybe being a bit of a Lover Watch style thing. Um, but I think season six is the one where we'll, we should really get get a better idea of what all these changes means. Uh, changes mean, sorry. Moving on from there, that's enough about the story missions. New support hero. We know that we're getting a new hero. The actual graphic that they have here, people have actually found, I believe it's a postcard or a poster or something in the Antarctica level, which uh, has is a flyer, or not is a flyer, the postcard or whatever has an image on it that appears to be from Peru, and the card here that they have on the Season 6 roadmap is a snippet of that. So people are expecting that this new support, support hero is going to be Peruvian, which could be pretty cool. Also, you know, generally speaking, we get a character from a place, I think for the most part, we have a location for that character or something close to as well. So definitely could be a Peruvian map coming. Um, something around Machu Picchu would be pretty awesome, things like that. So exciting stuff there. And also glad to see support is still getting buffed up there. Um, of course, we knew that they, they said early on that the cadence would be sort of Two support heroes, one tank. Two support heroes, one DPS. Two support heroes, etc., etc. Um, until sort of the numbers balance out a little bit more, just because the game is so uh, DPS slanted. Um, I think I'm, you know, I'm always excited as a as a support player. I'm always excited for another support hero, and with Life Weaver being, uh. I want to say disappointing, but I think he's only really disappointing because he's not good. Um, I think that's, you know, that's why you typically see a new character come out and they are a little bit overpowered. Um, in this case, you know, Life Reaver comes out and he's underpowered and just, it seems like just nobody really plays him. So it's kind of whatever. But anyways, interesting and exciting to see a new support hero. The next card they've got there is Flashpoint. Now, Max in the article here didn't actually mention it, and I'm pretty sure they have talked about it, but it sounds to me like Flashpoint is a new game mode. Um, I have to assume it's going to be like Hardpoint in Call of Duty, where it's basically a, a a moving control point, so could be interesting to see what they, how they make this work. Um, I don't really see any reason it wouldn't work in Overwatch. Uh, you know, just a mobile, or not even a mobile control point, because that's kind of what a payload is, but a... a you know, control point that changes positions on the map um, could really encourage some exploration and, uh, you know, also definitely encourages some team movement from, you know, capture a point, hold it for a time period, but then move as a unit to the next point as well. So they've then got a card here that says Hero Mastery, um, which seems like I have to assume it's probably going to be like a, hey, you want to get good with Tracer? Do these Hero Mastery I want to call them challenges, but, you know, maybe that shouldn't be confused with the challenges that are already in Overwatch 2, but it seems like it'd be, hey, want to get good with Tracer? Do these hero mastery courses, <laughs> these master courses on Tracer <laughs> um, to become, you know, a pro at her. So I'm, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I think it's probably something that appeals more to uh, I don't even know who it really appeals to, if I'm being honest. I don't see casual players truly really going for it. I don't see pro players really needing it, so it'll be interesting to see what it is. The other interesting side of that is that one of the bullet points they list right after this is firing range, which seems like it might be the same kind of thing or something like it. It seems like, you know, yeah, the, they know that the training mode, um, the tutorial to the game is pretty crappy, but what could this firing range be? You know, is it an aim trainer or something like that? That seems kind of strange to put in the game, but why not, right? So who knows? They also then say player progression system, which comes back to the question of what are we looking at here? We know you took out talents in PvE and we know you took out character progression. So what is player progression? Do you get rewarded for having a number of hours on a character, but that somehow affects your account and not just your not a specific character or something. There's a lot of ambiguity here on this one. They also note the Overwatch anniversary event will come, which is always great to see. I'm glad to see that. And they also say, and more. The and more to me screams, we're leaving this open-ended just in case. Um, and they probably will have, you know, one or two more smaller things in here. But who really knows? Then we move on to the Season 7 and beyond. So on this, it's just a bulleted list of items. So I'll just breeze through them quickly. New Tank Hero, again, we knew that the a new tank hero would be coming after our next support hero because that's two supports and then we go to tank again presumably after that we'll get two more supports 
they then say new collaborative event bracket limited time mode. So new the wording here is a little interesting. New collaborative event implies collaboration, which harkens back to the uh, One Punch Man collab. But then they say limited time mode. Is it one? Is it the other? Is it you know what we saw with uh, uh, with the One Punch Man event where it was a collab and they also had you know a mode centered around it and everything. Hopefully it is the latter. Hopefully it is both together, uh, similar to what we saw with One Punch Man. Hopefully for me, it's a little more inspired than the One Punch Man one. Actually, that's not true. I think the One Punch Man was very inspired. It just didn't appeal to me all that much. So hopefully the next collab is more, you know, appeals to me and my sensibilities a little more because I'm selfish. After that, they say new control map. Great. Love new maps. New winter event. Great. Love those winter events, of course. You know, uh, again... <laughs> more of the same right like i i i have liked these things in the past but also we've been playing them to since 2016 and the fact that i think for the past few years honestly since 2019 really we were playing them on the promise of what was to come and now we know that's not coming so it does it does make me be like am i still excited for the winter event i mean i liked it in the past but i liked it to again to whittle away the hours until we got our fully fledged PVE mode. So anyways, new hero mastery missions, and then in brackets, multiplayer. What does that mean? That harkens back to what we were talking about with season six. Hopefully we'll know after season six or by season six, what that means. Roadhog rework. We knew that was coming. Fan favorite modes return. No surprise there. Cinematic debuts. Yeah, duh. Uh, hopefully they keep making cinematics. Hopefully they're still great. Competitive mystery heroes returns. Okay, sure. That's, that's cool with me if you want. Lore Codex, and then Sombra Rework. We know, obviously, we know Sombra's been re been in the rework stages for a while now. Lore Codex is a weird one. Um, it strikes me, again, as a piece of that, you know, I was talking before about this 50% complete back end um, or front end, whichever end it was. And Lore Codex strikes me as they said, well, we built all this lore that we planned to do pve stuff with we're watering that down we're no longer fully diving into that it's gonna look different you're not you're not going to get all that lore just from playing these missions anymore or like we had hoped slap it in a an air quotes separate app that is called the lore codex and you launch into that and you can view a timeline of overwatch you can view a timeline of all the characters you can say where was this person at this time? And you can sort of read the story, if you will. Which, hey, lore is lore, I suppose. But when we thought we were getting it delivered one way and we didn't, it stings. So anyways, that is that is our news section. This, this show really feels like a bit of a damper. It feels like this is a boring show because I am disappointed about all of this. It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel exciting, honestly. That's that's my big takeaway from all of this is it's hard to be excited about stuff that we previously had been very excited about. I mean, I had talked a lot about being very excited to see what the PvE was um, and what it could have been. So anyways, let's move along here. Let's change gears a little bit. Let's let's get into a little bit more exciting news or, or action talk. And let's talk about the Overwatch League. I'll make quick work of them. All right. So, of course, this past weekend, we had a number of matches. Uh, before we get into that, there are a couple of minor sort of roster changes that I did want to mention. Of course, the Washington Justice announced announced sorry that they were cutting assistant coach J-Mac. Um, now, I believe that's not quite how they announced it. I believe it was actually said that J-Mac has uh, some health issues and he is going back to Korea to sort of uh, tend to those and take care of himself. Um, you know, largely because uh, in the States, it's obviously not where he's from and everything like that. So he's moving, he's going back to Korea. So they're, you know, in air quotes, cutting him from the team. They are promoting Danny uh, to assistant coach. I believe Danny was just an analyst before um, or, you know, just an analyst in air quotes. Anyways, um, so that's happening at Washington. And then on the Boston side, they announced that they are getting rid of assistant coach Jidset. Now, of course, Jidset was a somewhat controversial pickup there were rumors about him uh, i i want to say not paying players in the past about him skimming you know player salaries and things like that so 
probably a good thing for them to do, honestly. But anyways, let's look at this past weekend's matches in the Overwatch League. So first things first, on Friday, May 12th, of course, starting in the wee hours of the morning, we had the Seoul Dynasty losing to the Hangzhou Spark 3-1. We then saw the Dallas Fuel, I believe, get their first win of the season against the Shanghai Dragons with a 3-2 record. After that, we head over to the West, where on Friday, May 12th, the Vegas Eternal were 3 0'd by the London Spitfire. The Florida Mayhem were then taken to 5, and Florida managing to complete the reverse sweep against the Los Angeles Valiant with a 3 2 record. And our final match on Friday, May 12th, was the Atlanta Reign taking a 3 1 win over the Houston Outlaws. Of course, interesting thing about that uh, being that that was sort of our seemingly in the west our number one and number two teams facing off against each other um atlanta coming out on top after houston did seem to get in uh you know start things off on the right foot but then atlanta you know so far dropping the only map they've dropped this season then on saturday dallas fuel gets their second win against the soul dynasty with a three and one record so good for them maybe finally turning things around and of course after that the soul infernal beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-2. So congratulations to the Soul Infernal getting a big win over the Guangzhou Charge. Moving over to the West on Saturday, May 13th, the Washington Justice get a 3-0 win over the San Francisco Shock. Then the New York Excelsior take a 3-1 win over the Vegas Eternal, and the Atlanta Reign take a 3-0 win over the Los Angeles Valiant. Finally, we move on to Sunday, where the Soul Infernal win their second match of the weekend against the Hangzhou Spark. 3-0 and our final match in the east on sunday may 14th of course my birthday uh the guangzhou charge take a 3-1 win over the shanghai dragon so shanghai coming out with two losses this weekend uh soul infernal and dallas fuel getting two wins each then on sunday the florida mayhem get a 3-1 win over the london spitfire the houston outlaws get a 3-0 win over the washington justice and the San Francisco Shock managed to edge it out over the New York Excelsior, taking a 3-2 win. And I don't believe that was a reverse sweep. I'll check real quick here. Um, oh boy, it was a reverse sweep. Holy cow. All right, well, New York was up by two, and uh, San Francisco came back to win the next three maps. So good for them, of course. Of course, turning that around uh, you know, after a rocky start there. So where does that leave us? Well, out in the east, of course, we're now actually moving into the mid-season madness qualifications, so they don't really have standings right now. Um, whereas in the west, of course, we do because we had the pro-am tournament, um, and of course, we're not actually qual we're not seeding for the mid-season madness just yet. Or I mean, we are, but it's it's a whole thing. Anyways, the Atlanta Reign are sitting pretty in first position. The Florida Mayhem are sitting in second currently with five wins and one loss. Uh, Atlanta, of course, having six wins and zero losses. The Houston Outlaws are then in third with three wins and one loss. So yes, that's right. They have only played four matches, whereas both Atlanta and Florida have played six. The Boston Uprising, also only having played four matches, are in fourth place with three and one. We then have Washington Justice, Vancouver Titans, Los Angeles Gladiators, San Francisco Shock, New York Excelsior, and the London Spitfire in 10th. And that means our bottom three teams are, that's right, in 11th place, the Toronto Defiant, the Vegas Eternal, and the Los Angeles Valiant. So not looking great <laughs> if you're a Toronto fan, a Vegas fan, or an LA Valiant fan. Uh, but for me personally, not looking great if you're a Toronto Defiant fan, because I am. And uh, that team had a lot of promise uh, going into the season. Now, they do have probably one of the roughest starts to the season we've seen uh, in terms of their, their strength of schedule. So here's hoping that we see a little bit of a turnaround in the next couple of uh, weeks here. And that leads us nicely into our pickums. So... Let's look at this upcoming weekend. Now, I'm actually going to do the East completely after I do the West because, like I say, they now go into bracket play in the spring knockouts um, for both East and uh, East A and East B. Sorry, I was going to say East and West, but East A and East B. So let's look at our Friday games in the West. Friday, first things first, the Boston Eternal 
are going to 3-0 the Las Vegas, uh, sorry, the Boston Uprising, are going to 3-0 the Las Vegas Eternal. Then the Vancouver Titans will 3-1 the London Spitfire. The Toronto Defiant will then get a hopefully easy win against the Los Angeles Valiant with a 3-1 record. We then move to Saturday, where the Gladiators will 3-0 the Vegas Eternal. The Houston Outlaws will then 3-0 the San Francisco Shock. And finally, closing out our Saturday matches in the West, the Toronto Defiant are going to take a win over the Boston Uprising with a 3-2 match. Now, this is probably one of the harder matches to predict this weekend, um, and I am putting my copium and faith in the Toronto Defiant. If they don't win this matchup, uh, well, I think it really does throw into question... I mean, everything is already in question for the Toronto Defiant. They are struggling right now. Even playing against Boston is going to be a difficult matchup, even if the Vancouver Titans did 3-0 them the week... Uh, not the week prior, because neither team played the week prior, but the week before that. Um, but anyways, I'm putting my faith in them, and I'm crossing my fingers. On Sunday, May 21st, the Los Angeles Gladiators will 3-1 the Vancouver Titans. The Houston Outlaws will 3-0 the London Spitfire. And finally, the San Francisco Shock will 3-1 the Los Angeles Valiant. Now to go into our Spring Knockouts East stage. And this stuff, I really don't have a clue what's going on in the East. Um, first, we have the Challenger... Uh, sorry, first we have Dreamers taking on Poker Face Gaming... I don't know what either of these teams' records is, so I'm going to say 3-1 for the for the Dreamers. Then the Soul Dynasty take on Rhodes. I'm going to say 3-1 for Soul Dynasty. That means the Charge take on the Dreamers. I'm giving it 3-0 for the Charge. Then the Hangzhou Spark take on the Soul Dynasty. I'm giving it 3-2 for Hangzhou. That then puts us into winner's round three, where Guangzhou will take a 3-1 over the Spark. And that sends Guangzhou to the finals. Now, of course, these matches don't all happen this weekend. This is a May 20th and 21st, then the following weekend, the 28th, 27th, and then uh, a few days later, I believe, 28th, uh, 27th, and 28th. Oh, and then a, a full week later with the 3rd and the 4th. Uh, but because it's a bracket, we're building the whole bracket right now. If we drop down to elimination, we have the Soul Dynasty beating the Poker Face Gaming. I'm going to say 3-1. And then we have Rhodes taking on Dreamers. I'll give it to Rhodes. No, I'll give it to Dreamers, 3-2. Three, three, then the Soul Dynasty take on Dreamers, and I'll give it to Soul, 3-1. Then Soul takes on the Hangzhou Spark, and I'll give it to Soul... No, sorry, Hangzhou Spark, 3-1. And Guangzhou Charge and Hangzhou Spark, and I'm giving it to the Charge. But I'm going to say it's a 3-2. I'm going to say Spark. Hmm, have Spark figured their stuff out? That's an interesting question, isn't it? They did get one win against Seoul this past week, but they lost to the Infernal. So I'm gonna stick it. I'm gonna stick with the Guangzhou Charge taking that win. When can I lock these in? Why can't I lock that prediction in? Oh, it's because you have to take it to four, don't you? There we go. I'll say four-two for Guangzhou. Oh wait, 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 I need to make changes. Okay. Oh no, no, no. Okay, let's save that. I agree. I agree. Submit predictions. There we go. Okay, and now. Let's drop down to the Spring Knockouts East B, where I will suggest that O2 Blast taking on Pantera. I'm going to say O2 Blast takes it 3-1. Then we have Sinprisa Gaming taking on the Shanghai Dragons. I'll say Shanghai takes it 3-2. Now, you'll notice I am slanting this towards the Overwatch League, and that's because of the Pro-Am results, where, for the most part, um, you know, the the uh, Contenders teams didn't really put up much of a fight against... Uh, against the Overwatch League teams. Um, obviously, the, you know, there were some exceptions and things like that, but I'm just going with what we saw in the West. I do suspect this will be more competitive than the West was, but we'll see. Seoul Infernal are going to beat O2 Blast 3-2. Then the Dallas Fuel beat the Shanghai Dragons 3-1. Then we have the Seoul Infernal taking on the, sh the Dallas Fuel. And in this past week's matches, oh, they didn't play each other. Both teams got two wins. Arguably, Soul Infernal's games were against harder teams, so I'm actually going to give it to Soul 3-2 over the Dallas Fuel. That puts Soul Infernal in our finals match for the East B, but we got to look at our limb bracket. So we have the Shanghai Dragons taking on Pantera. I'll say Shanghai gets it 3-1. 
Then O2 Blast taking on Sinprisa Gaming. I'll say O2 takes it 3-1. Then we have the O2 Blast taking on the Shanghai Dragons. And what the heck? I'll give it to O2 Blast because I don't believe in Shanghai anymore. Um, and they lost both their matches this past weekend. So let's say O2 Blast takes on Shanghai 3-1. That brings Dallas Fuel to take on the O2 Blast. I'll say Dallas takes it 3-1. And then the Soul Infernal take on the Dallas Fuel. And I'm going to go ahead and... Oh, that's tough to pick. That is tough to pick. Let's take a look at our past week's matches here. Soul Infernal and Dallas Fuel. So Soul Infernal uh, oh, has already beaten the Dallas Fuel 3-0. Okay. Now, as I said, it does seem like maybe Dallas has started to figure out their stuff. Um... Yeah, they had that one matchup. All right, I'm I'm going to base this off of the Soul Infernal's one previous match against the Dallas Fuel, but I'll give Dallas a little more credit and say that Soul takes it 4-3. I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that, and I'm going to submit my predictions. And there you have it. That is how I view our next uh, week's matches in the Overwatch League. And, of course, a little bit farther just because the, um, the East does have that bracket play. So I did go through the whole bracket, but... With all of that said, you know what? That actually brings us to the end. So why don't we head on over to the outro and we'll close this thing out. All right. Well, if you stuck with me through to the end of this episode, first of all, thank you. This was not a normal episode. <laughs> Normally, we are a little bit cheerier. We are a little bit more excited for the future of Overwatch. But of course, this week is a bit of a downer episode. Um, I don't think anyone was thrilled to hear the news of everything that happened uh, with the cancellation of this larger PvE mode that we were all so eagerly anticipating. Um, of course, it's not for everyone. There are people out there that are saying, you know, well, sucks to suck, and especially sucks because we saw it, but, uh, you know, I'm more focused on the PvP side of things. And guess what? That is fine. It's fine if you didn't so much care for the pve mode to come if you are all about the pvp if you uh you know didn't really have much of a, a horse in the race when it came to this pve mode but the fact is that a lot of people did and the larger fact is that they had blizzard had positioned the over the two portion of overwatch 2 to largely be on the back of this new pve mode it really did seem like um, I mean, a, a good comparison, or a, a somewhat good comparison, a, a similar comparison kind of thing, in my mind, would be uh, the Star Wars Battlefront series, of course, with the latest two entries into the Battlefront series that came, uh, not even sure when they came, in the past five to ten years. Um, of course, Battlefront 1 came out, and it was multiplayer only, and a lot of people weren't super impressed with that because in the past battlefront had been a very successful uh and, and people really enjoyed the series for its single player side of things um then of course with battlefront 2 ea the 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 uh, publisher of the game really listened and said okay we'll give you a single player campaign now i don't truly know you know how compelling that campaign was or anything like that but they did put in a narrative single player uh you know, air quotes, PvE-focused mode. It wasn't, of course, co-op or anything like that, like, you know, presumably Overwatch 2s would be. But they attached that with the uh, PvP portion. And that is kind of, you know, in my mind, justifies the 2 uh, being a big portion of it. It was a large rework. Now, of course, when Overwatch 2, air quotes, launched in early access one of the large complaints that everyone had or one of the things you saw frequently online was this is a 1.5 this isn't a 2 there's nothing new here all you did was actually decrease uh you know what is happening you move you removed one of the tank heroes you brought it down from 6v6 to 5v5 and added some new maps and some new heroes which is something you had been doing over the past you know three four years with the regular base version of overwatch so anyways i'm, I'm getting way off track here this episode it hurts. It hurts in my soul. I'm, I'm sad we're not going to see this PvE that uh, I really wanted to see. I'm sad that I won't be able to sink, you know, hours upon hours. Even if it was a more contained experience and I got, let's say, 20, 30, 40 hours out of it. Um, and that's what it took to, you know, max out a character or, you know, play through the whole campaign or, 
or max out a couple characters even you know if that's what it was i would have been would have been happy but ultimately that's not what we're getting so we trudge on i will continue to play this game for now as as much as i can i do want to finish the uh, season four battle pass of course i want that sigma skin i i really dig it um and i really dig the overall theme of this this uh season so i'm enjoying the the rewards in the battle pass um and i've still got over a thousand overwatch coins so i will likely be holding those until season six so that we can see what exactly season six entails what these pve story missions that we are getting will be um and how exciting and compelling they do look and we'll see all i can really say is We'll see what the future holds. Thanks so much for listening to episode 108 of One Man Watchpoint. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where you can catch me at Sir Dr. JM uh, talking about everything Overwatch and Overwatch League and Overwatch 2. Hit me up over on Twitter at Sir DRJM. Reach out to me over there. My DMs are open. You can tweet at me, whatever you got. And you can, of course, find this podcast on podcast services everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Give us a follow. Leave us a review. Tell your friends and all that jazz. And I promise next week we'll be back with a little bit more hype and a little less disappointment. Assuming Toronto and Vancouver both play well this weekend in the Overwatch League. I'm too old for surprises. <laughs>